0: Welcome to the Success in Medicine podcast. I'm Dr. Rajani Khatta, author of the best-selling residency match guide, The Successful Match, and creator of the Residency Interview 101 course. This is a special series on the podcast called Energized at Work. We hear so much about burnout in medicine, and it is a real and very challenging problem. That's why I wanted to learn from doctors in all types of specialties who are the opposite of burned out. These are the doctors who are energized by work. I'm looking forward to sharing lessons and secrets from these doctors on this special series. I am so honored to be speaking today to Dr. Ying Guo. And Dr. Guo is a full professor at MD Anderson Cancer Center, which is the top cancer institute in the United States. And she is a professor in the Department of Palliative Rehabilitation and Integrative Medicine. Dr. Guo is board certified in physical medicine and rehabilitation. So I think it's going to be really interesting to hear from her about what her work entails. In addition, she is certified in medical acupuncture for physicians. So she also brings in that aspect of integrative medicine Uh, and especially in the field of cancer supportive care. So I think it's gonna be really interesting to learn more from Dr. Guo. Dr. Guo, thank you so much. We're really excited to be speaking with you today.
1: It's an honor to be here.
0: And I wanted to start just by asking you, can you tell me what a typical week is like for you? So uh, my my, uh,
1: role here is mostly clinical. I would say, you know, 85 to 90% are clinical. So I see patients every day, and these are mostly inpatient. So cancer patients who are admitted for whatever reason, for surgery or medical treatment, after that, they are pretty weak and unable to perform their daily activities or walk. uh, We are consulted to help them with that. So uh, I see patients with that, and when they are severely impaired, we bring them to our inpatient rehab unit, which is also located in MD Anderson. And we treat them and keep them for a short period of time before they go home.
0: Okay, now I wanna delve a little bit further into a couple of things that you just said. First of all, is it typical to have an inpatient rehabilitation unit in a cancer hospital?
1: Uh, I would say most cancer hospital does not have it. So we're one of the few that has the inpatient unit. Uh, most the hospital will refer to our outside facility, uh, independent uh, rehab facility, and then they will have the rehab there. Uh, the okay. benefit of having an inpatient rehab inside the cancer hospital is that we have close communication with the oncologist If patient uh, uh become medically unstable, we have great support.
0: Yes, I can see that. Now, in terms of your clinical work, you are then rounding on inpatients. And then do you work closely with the physical therapy team and the occupational therapy team? Is that how it works?
1: Yes, absolutely. So we have over a uh, I don't want to tell the exact number, <laughs> uh, yeah. over maybe 200 of uh, physical therapists, occupational therapists in the cancer uh, hospital. And wow. so we work close, uh, closely with them. And uh, for example, uh, if there is a specific uh, a goal, therapeutic goal for them, uh, I will send them an email and say, hey, let's work on this and hopefully achieve this in several days. So we, we do. Uh, work with them uh, with PTOT as well as speech therapist, because many oh. of them, the speech problem, uh, dysphagia, those kind of things too.
0: Okay. Now in terms of your role, it's not that patients have appointments with you. You are rounding on patients. I'm, I'm assuming that they consult your team and then you round on patients in the hospital uh, at your own pace. It's not appointment-based. Is that correct?
1: That's pretty much right. But we do have outpatient uh, clinic as well. So I have half day that I I am sitting in the clinic, follow up with patient who comes back in uh, from outpatient basis. Uh, And uh, those are usually the patient who has uh, been discharged from the hospital. You know, we are seeing them for those uh, reasons. Or um, we have recently in the last five to 10 years started what we call prehab. That means we try to keep get patients stronger prior to their surgery, prior to their stem cell transplant. So we oh. see those patients too, uh, in the clinic. Oh, and, uh, wow. Yeah. Um, additionally, we also see patients who are, uh, you know, survivors of cancer okay. treatment. They have, uh, complications or functional, uh, decline that's related to their treatment. We treat them as well. So, um, we have uh, all kinds of uh, patients, outpatient as Mm well.
0: Yeah, so that's really interesting because you're really covering a spectrum of acuity as well as different diagnoses and underlying issues. Uh, And I have to say prehab, I feel like I've maybe heard the term, but I don't know a lot about it or how often it's used, but that's fantastic to get a patient stronger before they have a stem cell transplant. Is that something that is widely used nowadays in cancer hospitals or is that something that MD Anderson has been at the forefront of? Uh, I would say MD Anderson is in the forefront, but uh,
1: that kind of practice has been picked up uh, throughout the United States um, because uh, surgeons has uh, noticed that uh, uh, if you treat patients, get them stronger prior to the surgery or whatever intervention there is, uh, they tend to do much better. They tend to recover much better. Uh, even uh, there are study that comes out, the survivals are better. So oh. we we approach it not only from strength point of view. We also approach from you know nutritional uh, and uh, the whole person. So so patient really uh, you know benefit from it.
0: Wow, you know it's it's something that as you're saying it, it sounds like oh obviously we should have been doing this all along and why weren't we? <laughs> so that's really interesting that, uh, that that has now become accepted practice for, for these situations. Exactly. Which kind of, and that leads me to my second question when I was hearing you talking about that, about your interest in integrative medicine. How did that come about?
1: Well, uh, it just makes sense to me. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in China and I was exposed to acupuncture. Um, many of my patients has conditions that can be like, easily treated with the acupuncture. So uh-huh. that kind of, uh, you know, led me to take the acupuncture course and get certified and use that in my daily practice to, to treat their musculoskeletal problem as well. Um, you know, although MD Anderson has many acupuncturists, their approach is a little bit different from mine. And um, so I and I don't have to wait for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, exactly. Just, uh, uh, you know, treat them. And I find that uh, very uh, satisfying. Um, in addition, I'm very interested in diet and exercise. So I feel like the whole pr- approach of the integrative medicine is that, right? You, you have to a yes. uh, person. As a whole person, diet and exercise, as well as their mood and uh, uh, and their sleep, so it's very much interrelated with rehab.
0: Did you find it challenging to start bringing in that approach, either from um, other colleagues or the patients themselves? Did you experience pushback about looking at this holistically, or were um, was this embraced by you know, patients uh, and colleagues? Yeah,
1: I would say uh, the uh, it is uh, the patient accepted quite willingly. <laughs>
0: okay, good. Uh, because,
1: yeah, it seems like they, they are open to integrative medicine. Um, this has been reported even 20 years ago uh, that uh, that uh, many cancer patients has uh, approached integrative medicine uh, uh, you know, practitioners and accepting their practice, so it's uh, it's accepted most of the time. And the colleague, I I would say uh, they don't have they don't have any objection, but the, a lot of them don't think of
0: uh, don't think like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's sort of a bit of a paradigm shift to start thinking of it that way.
1: Exactly, mostly you know, when we are trained, we're more focused on how to you know, uh, solve their medical problem. But for a cancer patient to do well in cancer rehab, as you know, have a good outcome, I find the multiple approach to be most successful.
0: And when you decided to become certified in medical acupuncture, was that, uh, how long was that process? Well, it's a whole year process. You
1: are sent home with uh, tapes, uh, books, and then every three months or so, you go to a, a, a place to meet the professor, uh, the acupuncturist to, to have hands-on experience. So um, that's last to three to five days. And then you go home and study more and you come back and do hands-on again, you know. Okay. So that's three times. And after a year, you're certified. Of course, they test your uh, knowledge and how do you deal with the cases and stuff like that. Um, so it takes the whole process take a, a year.
0: Okay, and I thought it was really interesting. I didn't realize that this is something that you practice almost on a daily basis, you said in your in your setting. Is that correct? Well, not
1: daily basis when I when I uh, need, feel the need <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, if, if my my time allows. Uh sometimes I just fi- find that it's a very short approach. I'll be able to uh, to uh, get the result that I wanted. Like one of the patients I had, he had this back and neck and a headache and I felt it. And he has, uh, you know, this gigantic trigger point. I said, okay, I'll come back later and treat you with acupuncture. And he initially was hesitating. I'm like, uh, you will only take one treatment. And I went in there, treated him for a minute or two, and he was like uh, having excruciating response. Okay. Uh, oh. But after that, I said, okay, we're done. I take the needle out and he hasn't had pain since. So I, wow. was, you know, when I feel like this, I can take care of in, in one setting, I'll do it. But in more chronic condition that takes longer, uh, I will counsel the acupuncturist to do.
0: Okay, because that way the patient can follow up, uh, I guess, yep. as an outpatient. Right, exactly. On a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Can, you, um, can you, I do want to step back for a moment. Can you sort of trace for me your career trajectory? Like, how did you become interested in PM&R and where did you train?
1: Oh, that's a long story. <laughs> uh, so when I graduated from school in China, I actually uh, was doing a residency in plastic surgery. So in a burn center. So um, grafting skins for the severe burned patient. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was doing research in those, uh, you know, immunity after burn, etc. Then I got this opportunity to come to Johns Hopkins to do research. So I was there for one and a half years as a research fellow. And after that, I decided I feel like my you know, my knowledge in immunology is really lacking. So I decided to go back to get a degree in master's of science uh, in immunology.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and then when I finished that, I was like, okay, well, I, I kind of, you know, like research, but I'll, I I really miss clinical work. Okay. So that's decided to take the board. And uh, do a residency. Now, I wasn't going to do a surgical residency. I find that too tough. So, uh, I I kind of uh, debating should I do a family practice, internal medicine, or what? And uh-huh. uh, interesting thing is, my mom is a rehab nurse back in China. Oh. Yeah, wow. she she um she went. To, and got trained on on physical medicine, literally using microwave, using, you know, uh, ultra red, I mean, infrared ultrasound, all those to treat musculoskeletal problem. And I was one of the beneficiaries when I was young. (laughs) I have some pain, my mom would treat me. So I feel that I find it very fun and, you know, interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, well, let me apply for physical medicine rehab. And that's
0: how I got <laughs> to physical medicine and rehab. Yes. Oh, that's such an interesting career path that you've taken <laughs> to find that's it. I, I, you know, and then um, and then even within physical medicine rehab, you have an interesting. I know there's lots of different ways that PMNR doctors can practice, but what you're doing is very interesting. That you're inpatient specific to cancer patient rehab. Um, was there something that drew you to this particular area within PMNR?
1: Yeah so when I was a resident uh, in Baylor College of Medicine I had a rotation in MD Anderson and uh, during that rotation I really enjoyed it because uh, you know you can apply all your rehab knowledge in a very unique population you know after cancer treatment uh, you you have to be like a creative because for example we have a patient who had a hemipavectomy, which was not learned you know taught in my general oh. rehab practice so how do I solve problems so I have to think about you know what bone is there what muscle was touched what nerve was cut you know how should I deal with this so I find that very intriguing and uh, and uh, mm. you know very creative in a way so I really enjoyed that so I decided that this is what I want to do oh. and i you know graduated from from Baylor and I've been working here since
0: Okay. See, that's really interesting because I hadn't thought of the creativity aspect of what you do. So this is a great time for me to ask you, what do you find really energizing about the work that you do? And I know there are several, several (laughs) aspects of it that I'm already picking up, but yeah, in your, please share with us. Yeah.
1: So one thing is, is definitely the satisfying, you know, result, coming from the patient, patient appreciate what you you recommend. And when they see the result, they really, you know, would, uh, would follow even more closely. And I, um, so part of the the thing is to interact with patient and uh, help them to improve their function. So that is, I would say the number one, uh, you know, energizing to me. Second, it will be, you know, like I just talked, <clears throat> I get to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, innovative in a way um, to solve problems. And uh, we have such a amazing support in MD Anderson. You know, our colleagues are great. And uh, uh, any opportunity, new things I want to learn, I, I, you know, I can have the opportunity to go, to go learn it. So uh, I really uh, benefit from that.
0: Okay. Well, and then I also have to ask you the flip side of that question, because this is so important for medical students who are considering this as a career. What are some areas that perhaps are a little bit draining or, you know, parts of your job that you don't necessarily love? What are some, what are some of those? Um, yeah. So,
1: you know, when you work in an institution, there are things, you know, rules, um, that, uh, people follow, um, you sometimes you can't change it quickly mm. if you change it uh, it's not like you have your own clinic you said let's do this and it, it will be done right? right so so you have to go through uh you know lots of committees and everybody <laughs> says about it and then you know that you have different department if you want to change something that nurse practice nurse uh you know practice um in their daily practice, you also have to kind of interact with uh, with their department. And not everybody's mindset is, uh, you know, towards, you know, change. So you may meet resistance. It may take months, uh, you know, years to change something. Yeah. That part can be frustrating. But, um, you know, I'm still learning how to negotiate <laughs> <how to laughs> people not my strong point, uh, and, uh, and to try to get things done for the benefit of the patient,
0: you know? Yeah, that's so interesting that you say that because I've thought about that too, how often in our career we're not taught early on how important it is to be able to negotiate, to be able to influence, to be able to persuade, and those are their own skills um, that do take, um, yeah, that do take a lot of practice. Right. Um, and one of the things I've also noticed for um, for many physicians is that they're always learning and growing. Um, is there a particular area that you're working on now, um, or something that you see for yourself at the future?
1: Yeah, I, I'm. I'm more like like I said, clinically oriented. So when I have a clinical question, that's when I say, okay, I'm interested to know more. Let me do a research project. Um, oh. So let's say last year, I had the three patient in a row has orthostatic hypertension. So I was like, oh. what it's so frequent, you know, and, uh, you know, what are the risk factors? How should we do, you know, deal with this? So I I wrote a protocol to, um, to uh, explore that. And uh, of course get my colleague who are internal medicine and geriatric related to, to, to join in that um, effort. So yeah, that's how I, I, you know, kind of approach it. Not necessarily, uh, you know, doing research for the sake of research. I, I prefer to do it if there is a purpose uh, that I can solve a small problem, you know?
0: Yeah. Very patient focused, very clinical, um, clinically directed. That's fantastic. And okay. I'm, I'm curious, what, what advice would you give if you were speaking to a medical student who was considering PMNR? what advice would you give to them for number 1 how to explore the field and number 2 how to set themselves up for success if they were to apply for PM&R in the residency um two questions right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah how can how can a student explore the field
1: oh yeah okay so you you know if the if the, pers- uh, if the student is interested in rehab they have i think they have to do a rotation uh in a, in a associated, uh, you know, institute. Uh, I know UTMB don't have uh, a PMR physician there. So oh. yeah, so I, I sometimes go there and give them a talk about what I do and I encourage them to, you know, uh, come and visit before COVID. Now we haven't uh, reestablished that, uh, that route of uh, getting them, um, you know, to come and visit, uh, mm-hmm. shadowing, et cetera. But yeah, definitely, you know, you have to have some exposure to it and see what's your role in the whole field of rehabilitation. You know, what is the physician's role? And, uh, uh, and once they have the exposure, they can decide if they like it. Yeah.
0: And then um, in terms of, I think what you said was really interesting as well, that not all schools have a, um, a department, I guess, of PM and R. And so then it becomes even more important to do those away and audition electives. Exactly. So, wow. Well, this is really fascinating because when I think about PM physicians, I think about somebody who is in an outpatient practice who is maybe affiliated with a physical therapy center. I think what you're doing is so interesting and it, it brings up to me, the question of, um, are there other roles then within pmnr apart from the two that i just mentioned like a cancer center inpatient setting or an outpatient setting what are some of the other um, areas that you can get involved in if you are a pmnr physician um i think that's the main two setting and it doesn't have to okay. be
1: Cancer, you know, related rehab. There are independent rehab facilities uh, all around the uh, the country that you can attend. Like Tier, uh, you know, the Texas Institute of Research and Rehab, they okay. have a huge inpatient uh, for for brain injury patient for spinal cord a uh, patient as well as for other general conditions. Um, and the, then after rehab, when they get out of the hospital, you're not gonna stop seeing them. So you always have an outpatient uh, clinic to follow up with that. And uh, okay. there are, there are you know, physicians who purely have outpatient setting. Um, they're more, uh, you know, into uh, musculoskeletal, you know. Okay. As the patient ages, as the population ages, you can see a lot of needs for that. Uh, It can joint pains, muscle aches, uh, injuries. So uh, physical medicine rehab can really play a good role on that.
0: Yeah, and I imagine there's even from what you mentioned with tear, there must be specialists for pediatric rehab and maybe post, I guess, knee replacement or. Um, yeah. there's probably a lot of different potentials for specialties there huh
1: So there's a subspecialty after, under physical medicine rehab. Uh, cancer rehabs one of it, uh, one of them and and TBI, traumatic brain injury, spinal cord, uh, pediatric some some patient you know some uh, resident uh, specializing pediatric and uh, I think there is a uh, uh, electrophysiology which is EMG which I'm, I'm also certified in that. Um, uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just, just to add one more specialty onto your specialties. (laughs) And then the the sports
1: medicine, you can do a sports medicine uh, fellowship or pain fellowship, because we we already, you know, during our training, we know our muscle and uh, and nerves very well. Uh, When you go to a pain uh, training program, you, you can, you know, approach them uh, probably in a way better than anesthesiologist because you know your peripheral nerve so well.
0: I see. And as I'm thinking about the job outlook in this field, I have not looked into this, but I think intuitively it makes sense to me that probably demand is only going to increase as the population ages. And, uh, and also as we become more sedentary with so many computer-based jobs, um, is that what you're seeing as well for demand in your field?
1: Yeah, um, I think so, especially with the baby boomer enters the older age. Um, we all know that, uh, you know, older age is associated with musculoskeletal problem. And mobility is the most important, uh, you know, quality of life uh, uh, factors that uh, if uh, if one want to have a, a good, um, you know, uh, golden years, uh, you must you must be able to move. So yes. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be an increased demand.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, well, Dr. Guo, I just wanna really say thank you for bringing your perspective and um, and for sharing with us your experience as a professor at MD Anderson and a physical medicine rehabilitation doctor. So thank you so much for sharing that with us.
1: My pleasure.